everybody. Welcome. Jan, can you hear me good enough? Okay, great. Thank you. Um, I'm going to give some instructions, same form that we used last uh, Tuesday, which is instructions and then a talk and then discussion. <clears throat> uh, so we'll begin with the sitting. So please put your body in the seated posture. And uh, I'll say, I'll give some instructions for a few minutes and then there'll be a longer period to practice uh, in silence. And of course, maybe the most important uh, instruction is to sit upright. And uh, if you fall asleep, stand up. And so if you're on the cushion or bench or chair, please try to be on your sits bones. So there's an uprightness from the base of the spine. And even as I'm sitting on the chair, I've got a cushion on the chair, which helps my me sit upright in a very relaxed way. And please find your body. Meaning, let your awareness begin to saturate the bodily experience. So that mindfulness of the body is not from a distance. It's as if you can let the awareness be like a dye, a drop of dye in a glass of water. The dye begins to permeate the water. And sometimes it's very helpful to begin with a very full breath or a few full breaths. Letting the awareness follow the breath into the body. And see what happens tonight if you make the body and then a little later the breathing, the most important thing that's happening in any moment.
For right now, we want to let our thoughts and feelings and sounds a little bit be in the background and let the body and the breath come into the foreground. And so it's helpful to scan your body and see if there's any holding that can be released easily or simply without struggling with it. Seeing if the jaw is tight. Or if the shoulders are being held up. Or if you're tensing your belly or any part of your body that you could simply relax. And if the body, it's not so simple to be in your body, see if you can be in a part of your body that's very neutral, whether it's your feet or your toes or your elbows or your ears. They're all part of the body. And if you're, if it's more comfortable for you to be in your body, simply let your awareness saturate the physical, kinesthetic, energetic experience that's alive right here. And as you begin to establish this first foundation of mindfulness, mindfulness of the body, please come into contact with the movement, the sensations that are created by your life's breath.
And you can use any of the terrain that works for you. Some people like to be mindful of the breathing at the nostrils with the in and out breath. Some of us are aware of the expansion and relaxation in the chest with each breath. Many of us have been trained to be mindful of the rising and falling of the abdomen the belly with the in-breath arising and falling with the out-breath. Some of us are mindful of the whole body as it breathes. See what happens if you stay devoted to the breath, the breathing, wherever you are attentive to it. And for now, letting everything else be in the background, letting the body and the breathing be in the foreground of your awareness. And it doesn't mean the thoughts will stop or the feelings will go away or change. It just means that we're attending to the body and the breathing right now and letting the thoughts and feelings do what they want without attending to them, without being confected to them, 
without being enchanted by them or mesmerized by them. See what happens if you give yourself or devote yourself to the breathing.
if your attention has moved away from the body and the breath, see if you can relax and move back to the body and the breathing now. Forgetting about whatever's happened before, but coming into the present moment with the body and the breathing.
I would like to encourage you to uh, continue practicing in a relaxed way, even as I offer some words of uh, teaching about the Dharma. And so what that might mean is you could sit and meditate if you want, or you could sit and relax and stay aware of your body right now and stay aware of the sensations of your body or the breath and what's actually happening in your living experience where you're sitting and the being aware of what's seeing and what's hearing because you're hearing me and you're seeing me, you're seeing something, you're seeing your screen, right? But, but what is seeing is sitting in your chair. And we want to get closer to this aliveness that is seeing and hearing and thinking and feeling and having all kinds of experiences that come through this body, that begin with this body. And so see what happens if you mind the body and the breathing uh, while I'm talking. And uh, the teaching is going to move. We began, you know, a couple evenings ago talking about the definition of, of uh, Satipatthana and what it means to be ardent, fully aware and mindful. Those were the key pieces I was stressing, being ardent or devoted and being fully aware, being right here and uh, being mindful of what's happening right now, right? Whatever it is. And, um, and then we move to the refrain, which talks about practicing in terms of uh, internally, externally, both internally and externally, noticing how things are rising and passing, the permanence of the moment, and then has this very important line in it that's, as far as I'm concerned, the through line for all the teachings about not clinging to anything in the world, not clinging to anything in the world, whether it's body, vedna, feelings, um, the heart-mind, or the dharma, or or anything, or any of, the, any of the phenomena of being human is not clinging to it, is one, is one of the goals of practice. And the, the teaching, the scriptures of Satipatthana that I've said to you, I think everybody has it. If you don't, send me a note and I'll try to send it to you. Um, but it goes. It starts there with the definition and the refrain, and the refrain comes with uh, the first foundation of mindfulness, the contemplation of the body. And there are a number of different uh, teachings that the Buddha offered us to learn how to be here and be embodied and be aware and to wake up through this human form the form that's sitting in your seat, that's listening to me, that's thinking about what I'm saying, that's enjoying or not enjoying, whatever it might be, this is where this is where it is. This is where the goodies are, is where you're sitting. And so he goes through a number of different um, training uh, exercises, uh, being mindful of, in terms of body, being mindful of the breathing is the first one. Uh, 
and then mindful of posture, which you can be aware of however your posture is now, even if you've decided to lie down, you can be aware of the posture. And then being fully aware in all activities, which you can also start to do, which I'll talk more about next week. I'll actually talk about posture and full awareness and activities, which personally I find one of the most important teachings of the whole Satipatthana. And then uh, he talks about different bodily parts. And then he talks about, he points us at bodily parts. Then he points us at the elemental nature of what's sitting here, earth, uh, earth, water, fire, wind, those different elements of reality that are both internal to us, but also everywhere in all of nature. And then the last piece he he points us at the temporality of bodily life and the charnel ground contemplations. And so tonight we're going to focus on mindfulness of breathing. So you could focus on your breath the whole time. And as one of my teachers would say, he said, if you focus on the breath so much while I'm talking that you don't hear anything I say, that's, that's good. That's better than hearing what I say. Because he was so devoted to the breath. And uh, here's the teaching. This is from the Bhikkhu Bodhi uh, uh, version. Uh, he says, the Buddha begins his exposition of the body with contemplation of mindfulness of breathing. Oh, no, this isn't the, this isn't mindfulness of breathing. Uh, let's see, should I read you that first? Okay, I can read it to you. Um, how a bhikkhu, how does a, a bhikkhu abide contemplating the body as a body? Here, a bhikkhu practitioner gone to the forest or to the root of a tree or to an empty hut or sitting on your couch or at your kitchen table or whatever, wherever you might be, wherever sits down, having folded one's legs crosswise and one's body becomes erect or upright and establishing mindfulness in front of oneself, ever mindful one breathes in and mindful one breathes out. And breathing in long, one understands, I'm breathing in long. Or breathing out long, one understands, I breathe out long. So one's aware of the duration of the breath. Or breathing in short, one understands, I breathe in short. Or breathing out short, one understands, I breathe out short. So one is fully aware of what's happening. One is mindful of the, the breath itself and just the length of the breath. It's very simple, this part of it. And then he goes on, he says, he trains the, and then uh, one trains thus. I breathe, I shall breathe in experiencing the whole body or one breathes in, trains thus. I shall breathe out experiencing the whole body. So even now you could be aware of your breathing and just feel your whole body while you're breathing. Even if you're focusing on a point like the nose or the chest or the belly, you can still feel the background of the whole body. And this is a key to understanding concentration, which one of the translations of that, not the translation, definitions of that word in a dictionary of, of concentric, concentric is to be centered. It's the point around which a circle is drawn, 
the point around which a circle is drawn. I emphasize this over and over because some people think concentration is only knowing one thing and you can concentrate in that way, but you can also concentrate and be aware of much more concentration. That kind of steadiness of awareness and attention can be very, it can be very narrow or focused and it can be very wide and still be very concentrated. And so even now, like if you're aware of your belly, where rising and falling, you can still feel your whole body while the belly is rising and falling. So you can use the belly as the center and the whole body as the greater circle. Um, and I spent many years practicing whole body breathing, which I love. And I'll say some more a little later in the talk. Um, so one one can one trains i shall breathe in experiencing the whole body i shall breathe out experiencing the whole body one trains thus i shall breathe in tranquilizing the bodily formation one trains thus i shall breathe out tranquilizing the bodily formation for me this means relaxing beginning to relax even one minute iosha of relaxing just relax a little with your body sitting here right now, just a little. I don't mean you get totally relaxed and you're melting into the floor and all kinds of stuff like that, which can happen sometimes. It's very pleasurable, but actually just to feel yourself not tensing your body or letting the tension relax a little bit so we can simply be here and become human beings with a capital B so that the beingness and the presence of mindfulness starts to reveal itself more fully. And then he goes on, he says, just as a skilled turner or his apprentice, and it really should be their apprentice, when making a long turn understands I make a long turn, when making a short turn understands I make a short turn, so too breathing in, Long and Bhikkhu understands I breathe in long. He one trains oneself thus. I shall breathe out tranquilizing the bodily formation. And so that's the teaching that we're working off of in Satipatthana. And that's key. It's, it's a beautiful, the Buddha breathed himself all the way to awakening. He breathed himself all the way to awakening. That's a, for me, that's a very key piece. Like it wasn't that he did anything so magical. He just sat down with himself, with a human body that needs to breathe to stay alive. And he just paid attention to this very simple, ordinary, extraordinary experience of breathing and being alive. And so... This is from Bhikkhu Bodhi. This is some uh, uh, a teaching he did about mindfulness of breathing. And he said, the Buddha begins his exposition of the body with contemplation of mindfulness of breathing. Though not required as a starting point for meditation, mindfulness of breathing usually serves as the root meditation subject the root meditation subject, the foundation for the entire course of contemplation. So this is like the foundation of your building. You know, in San Francisco, if we have really old foundations, we have to give them, 
get them shorn up because of earthquakes. We had that happen in our building here uh, a couple of years ago, and it's a big deal. But if you get the root, then the rest can relax. Even with an earthquake, you don't shake as much. You'll still shake, but it's you're, you're grounded, you're centered, you're planted right where you are. And so mindfulness of breathing can offer that to us. And it's one of the great um, it's one of the great gifts of really learning how to focus on the body and the body and the breathing, right? And so he goes on. He said it, it becomes a foundation for the entire course of contemplation. It would be a mistake to consider this subject merely an exercise for neophytes. By itself, mindfulness of breathing can lead all to all the stages of the path culminating in full awakening. In fact, it was this meditation subject that the Buddha used on his night of his own awakening, and he reverted to throughout the years during, during, during his solitary retreat, and he constantly recommended it, mindfulness of breathing. So it's worth our effort, or it's worth our interest, or it's worth our care and our devotion and our um, dedication and see what happens if we really do this. And it's so simple that that's what's hard. It's so simple because it just asks you to be with your body and the breathing. Whether you just focus on the nostrils or the chest or the belly or the whole body, or and just it's right here and it's always happening and it's basically free, right? And it will be, and it's one of the, it's some of the dukkha that we have in human life because at some point we won't be able to breathe or something will happen that will interrupt our breathing and this could happen for any of us given what's happening in the world right now in coronavirus that could be part of what we're dealing with and um oh i'm going to try to get something up in my computer Let's see if I've got it here somewhere. I'm gonna read you something. Don't know where it is, where to put it. Um, I'm gonna look around a little more. Here it is. I'm gonna read you something that Alison Wright wrote. Uh, I read the, uh, for, this was first published in Yoga Journal about 15 years ago. And she had been a practitioner who was going to a retreat in India. And she was, um, uh, she was somewhere in uh, Laos and she was on a, an, on a bus and she writes and they, she was on the bus and a logging truck screeched around the corner on a remote Laotian jungle road and slammed into the bus I was riding. And then she describes in some detail and if this is too much you can you can mute me 
she describes what happened. She said, my left arm was shredded to the bone as it smashed through a window. My back, pelvis, tailbone, and ribs snapped immediately. My spleen was spliced in half, and my heart, stomach, and intestines were ripped out of place and pushed up into my shoulder. Uh, my lungs collapsed, and my diaphragm was punctured, and I could barely breathe. I was bleeding to death inside and out. It would be more than 14 hours before I received real medical care. Uh, and then she said of practicing Buddhist, she was going to this retreat. Instead, she laid crushed and bleeding by the side of the road. Struggling to draw in air, I imagined each breath to be my last. Breathing in, breathing out, consciously willing myself not to die, I concentrated on the life force of fighting its way into my lungs. And along with the, the breath, she said, pain became my anchor. As long as I could feel it, I knew I was alive. I thought back to the hours I had sat in meditation, fixated on the sensation of my leg falling asleep. That discomfort could hardly compare to the torment of my injuries, but I discovered that meditation could still help me focus and remain alert, and I'm convinced it saved my life. I managed to calm myself, slowing my heart rate and the bleeding, and never lost consciousness or went into deep shock. In fact, she writes, I've never felt so aware, so clear-headed, and completely in the present moment. A number of hours passed, no more help arrived. Opening my eyes, I, I was surprised to see the darkness had fallen, and that's when I became convinced I was going to die. As I closed my eyes and surrendered, an amazing thing happened. I let go of all fear. As I closed my eyes and surrendered, an amazing thing happened. I let go of all fear. I was released from my body and its profound pain. I felt my heart open, free of attachment and longing. A perfect calm enveloped me, a bone-deep peace I could have never imagined. There was no need to be afraid. Everything in the universe was exactly as it was meant to be. In this moment, I felt my spiritual beliefs transform into undeniable experiences. Right? She says, Buddhism had taught me the concept of interbeing, the idea that the universe is a seamless, seamless mesh in which every action ripples through the whole fabric of space and time. As I lay there, I felt how interwoven with every human spirit uh, is with every other. I felt how interwoven every human spirit is with every other. I realized that death only ends life, not this interconnectedness. A warm light of unconditional love encompassed me, and I no longer felt alone. So that was a very interesting experience she had of staying with the breath and it, and her practice, and it kept her alive. And it not only kept her alive, it revealed more of the Dharma when she let go and was willing, ready to die. That That's a very key piece. Remember, the line from the refrain is not clinging to anything in this world. 
And I'm not saying we all have to not cling to life or not. You don't have to, you don't have to get rid of anything. But in fact, we'll all see at a certain point, we can't cling to life. That's not how life works. We're all born and live and we're going to go, all of us. And when that time comes, what she did is she relaxed. She surrendered, she said, and let go. And the letting go brought a deep peace and a real sense of love that came for her. And so I'm just going to continue, right, um, from Bhikkhu Bodhi. Oh, no, I, I said that, right? And so what I'm saying is really that the mindfulness of breathing is just a fantastic doorway. And it's one that I've practiced and used uh, really the whole time I've been involved in Buddhism for some 30 some years. Um, you know, and the first teaching that I got, which was in the tradition of Mahasi Sayadaw, um, who was one of the people who authorized Jack Cornfield and Sharon Salzberg and, and Joseph Goldstein to teach here, formally came and authorized them, um, emphasized mindfulness of breathing. And at a certain point, I got very, very involved in, in mindfulness of breathing when I worked with Tanisaro Bhikkhu. And the, the breath is used in both traditions to develop concentration and awareness and learning how to be very present with the liveness that's sitting here that is part of our embodiment right so that we're not just identified with our minds or our hearts or our feelings and that we can actually start to relax and center into ourselves using this magical piece that we call breath let me see if I put this in here. Here, I'm, here's another quote. This is a quote from Eugene Cash that I actually found in my quote file of all these other people. And, and it says, the, the birth of human life is characterized by our first breath, right? The birth of human life is characterized by the first breath. And death is characterized by our last breath. When the breath ends, we expire. The breath itself inspires us, right? It's inspiration and expiration. Respiration is inspiration and expiration. That'd be a good title for this talk. Um, and, and Eugene goes on to say it brings spirit to life. The word spirit comes from the Latin spiritus, which means breath, spirit, means both of those. They're the same thing, breath and spirit. And as we learn how to really devote ourselves, as Eugene says here, to our breath, we find our spirit, which is the numinous in human life which is the spirit that's in each of us and that we all know intuitively, whether we know it directly or not, we all have the sense, we know that there's something here that is magical or beautiful or mysterious or divine or numinous that we call spirit. And of course, the numinous in Buddhism, described in Buddhism as true nature or Buddha nature, 
and and that within and Eugene goes on to say that within us which is universal timeless pure essential this aspect of human life is sublime the Buddha called it the unconditioned because it's not bound by anything it's here and uh, right and it can be realized as our essential true nature. Buddhism, as in the West, in Buddhism, as in the West, spirit is found through the breathing. And so here it is, the spirit, which in, in Greek, and you know, originally in Latin and Greek, they breath and spirit were the same thing. And here we are being with the breath. That's all we that's the simplest, most direct meditation practice i know is simply to be mindful of your breath or body fully of your breath <clears throat> and so people often ask how do you do it and first of all i always say just do it do it wrong but keep doing it don't stop doing it it will teach you how to do it and, you know, I always hear, I'll say it this way, make the breath your lover. Like, like you know how when you fall in love with somebody, uh, that's all you want to do is be around them or see them or get to know them or understand them or be closer to them. Do the same thing with the breath. Make it your lover. Make it the most important thing. Make it what you want. You, you can desire the breath. It's no problem, really. Desire it. Make it, you know, it becomes the most important thing is this breath right now. And you can feel it right now, even if as you're listening. It helps me to stop talking to feel it. And then I, and of course for me, given I did so much whole body breathing, and I feel my whole body as I breathe. And so the whole sense of embodiment, even speaking to this beautiful screen that I have, I love my big screen here at my home, and, and, and all of you, and you know, I can't tell the difference. You look like you are the big screen right now. And yeah. And so there's a kind of um, intimacy that can arise in the presence of mindfulness when we're here, even with the breath. We can get really close to the breath. We can get really intimate. And trust me on this one thing, we can get more intimate than you know. And that's always fun in my book. Uh, you know, it's like getting closer to a lover and you think you know them and you love them and they're great. And then you go, oh my God, this person is even better than I thought they were, more beautiful or more handsome or more wondrous or more desirable. I want them even more and you want to get even closer and you can let that happen with the breathing. Of course, I need to say being a, a, a somewhat rational teacher, it doesn't always happen that way, like any relationship, but still see what happens if you even pretend the breath is your lover for one week. And that's all you want to do is be close to the breath this week. Actually, not even this week. It's like, where are we? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, 
five days, give it five days and see what happens. You don't even have to buy a ring or anything like that. You could just get devote yourself and see what happens. And of course, devoting oneself also means giving oneself because that's what happens in a loved relationship. And of course, uh, for better or for worse, when we're in a lover relationship, we don't really judge the person harshly. We always think everything they do is so great and so wonderful. Later, maybe after it's six months or a year, we see they're not perfect. But, but give it six months or a year with your breath, really in a lover way and see what happens because it's got more goodies than you know. There's more possible than you know. And of course, physically, this is when I always like to express the somatic, kinesthetic, energetic aliveness of just this one breath. And the sensations that it are created by the in-breath, even at the nostrils or the chest or the belly or the whole body. It's touching us intimately just by doing itself by breathing and letting and that one of the positives and one thing we want to learn how to do a muscle we want to build is this capacity to um, not deny our experience or not force anything to go away but also to put it to the side for a while so letting the thoughts and feelings go to the background and come close stay with the breath that becomes the most important thing. It's like this. It's like you could almost rub it. You could almost touch it because it is touching you. There are sensations in the nostrils, in the chest. Some people feel it in the back of the throat, in the belly. And, and like for me, who did years of whole body breathing, I just experienced my whole body as it breathes. And I love that. It's so... Um, it's almost like I'm saturated with the breath. And I have been told that actually we breathe as much through the pores in our skin as through our lungs. Now, I never looked that up, so I don't know if it's exactly true, but I like the idea, and so I pretend it's true. And I love seeing your dog in the picture. That's totally great. <laughs> and dogs, they're so good. They breathe so much. You, you can see them breathe, you know, and, you know, or, or they're like when they're sleeping, they're breathing, and they're just beautiful. And, and so it's and it's an internal and external mindfulness of breathing. And you can see other people. You can notice when somebody's mad, they're <laughs> or or bereft also. The crying that happens or the weeping that can happen, and then the <laughs> right we we weep, and then we we still have to breathe. And here's one of the things I want to support about mindfulness of breathing. It doesn't matter what's happening. You can be mindful of the breath. It doesn't matter what's happening. Every, you don't have to stop anything. Fear, anger, you know, happiness, joy, pleasure, uh, uh, irritation, um, grief, whatever it is. You don't have to stop it. But also for this five days, notice 
how does the body grieve when it's when you're angry or when you're grieving or when you're happy or when you're sad what's the body and the breathing like at that moment because it's still happening and you can be aware of it Let's see one more thing. It's really an ally to stay concentrated, right? And really important, helpful that way um, to stay concentrated, concentric, to be centered, right? And you'll hear how Suzuki Roshi talks about it quite beautifully. He talks about and so he's Zen practitioner and you just sit down and you, he said, when we practice Zazen, which is their, how they call practice, our mind always follows our breathing, our mind and heart in my language, our mind, heart always follows our breathing. When we exhale, the air, the air, when, excuse me, when we inhale, the air comes into the inner world. And when we exhale, the air goes out to the outer world. So just feel that right now. The air comes in to what he's calling the inner world, and then it goes out to the outer world. Right? Very normal, very simple, very easy, very human, not a big deal. And then he goes on to add some more teaching. He says, right, when we exhale, the air goes into the, out to the outer world. The inner world is limitless. And the outer world is also limitless. So now he's putting in the Dharma, in deep Dharma, because we think, oh, there's a limit, because we think it's limited to our physicality. But what's knowing the breath is not limited. What's aware of the in-breath is not limited. What's aware of the out-breath is not limited. What we're calling the inner world is not limited, right? And so we say outer world, and he says the inner world is limitless, and the outer world is also limitless. We say inner world or outer world, but actually there is just one whole world. In this limitless world, the air comes in and goes out like someone passing through a swinging door. If you think I breathe, the I is extra. There is no you to say I. What we call I is just the swinging door that moves when we inhale and when we exhale when we yeah when we we inspire and expire it just moves that is all when your mind is pure and calm enough to follow these movements and i would say when your mind and heart your being is calm enough to follow these movements <clears throat> all these phones are ringing in my house now excuse me for that uh, i'm gonna make sure this is Turn down. Okay. Um, uh, 
when your mind is pure and calm enough to follow this movement, there is no, there is no, there is no, there is nothing, no thing, uh, no I, no world, no mind, no body, just a swinging door. And okay, sorry, I'm trying to keep you from hearing the messages, and I don't even want to hear them, but okay. So when the mind is pure and calm enough to follow this movement, there is nothing, no thing, no I, no world, no mind, no body, just a swinging door. So when we practice, all that exists is the movement of the breathing, and we are aware of this movement. But to be aware of the movement does not mean to be aware of your small sense of self, but rather of your universal nature or your Buddha nature. And this is what we're, why we're practicing, is to wake up to the truth of who and what we are, and what's in here that we all intuitively have some inkling of, or sometimes some of us have more. We understand this is the truth of who and what we are. Okay, I'm going to stop here. And we have time for comments, questions. Please raise your hand. You go to the participants, I think, section. It shows you how to raise your hand. Uh, let's see what I want to do. I want to close that. And you, if you raise your hand, I believe it comes to the top of my screen. And yeah, so what do you think, feel? questions or comments, reactions. Hi, Phil, I'm gonna unmute you. Hi, Phil. Hi, Eugene, thank you very much. So you talk about um, the clinging to preferences. And in the refrain, it's clinging to everything. Anything. To anything. And, but in order to cling, you need to have a sense of self that clings. <laughs> in reality, is, is the freedom not giving up clinging to preferences, but really, should we be focusing, giving up clinging to the sense of self, which is the core of all suffering? Uh, you could if you want to do that. But if you just relax and don't cling to anything, you'll see there's no self there anyways. But something clings. You have an ego identity that tends to cling to things. And so all I'm, all I'm saying is relax. And we've had this conversation before. I'm sure we'll have it again. It just means relax even, don't cling to your thoughts. Don't cling to your ideas. Don't cling to your beliefs for, for a, an hour and see what happens because the Buddha is pointing at an experiential reality, not a conceptual reality. And you have a really good mind and you think really well, I love your mind actually, it's great. But it gets in your way because you're thinking about it, you're not doing it. Well, I, yeah, 
<laughs> Thank you, Eugene. But, but, my, but, my, experience, but my experience yes. is that my experience is that in seeing how I make my sense of self uh, and that it is all an illusion. Right. Well, who is makes for it? For me, in, in the freedom point, rather than saying I'm going to give up my craving for ice cream or desire well, for this. Yeah, we've That's had this saying. conversation before. You don't have to give up your craving. You just see, one just sees that actually craving or holding on or clinging to anything is suffering ultimately. But it doesn't mean you can't enjoy yourself or appreciate ice cream, depending on the flavor. You but know? I'm, not, I'm not talking about liking. <laughs> what are you and talking about? What, what? I'm talking about the essence of all clinging is clinging to self. And that's yeah. what the Buddha said, did he not? Uh, Anything you attach to a dear mind leads to suffering. And, and so all I'm asking was, is yeah. it our, our clinging to self that's the essence and not clinging to everything else? Well, I mean, I'm fine for you to do that. Don't cling to self. That's great. Okay. And, and see what happens. Because then I think you'll see that you're not clinging to anything. And maybe you'll see what I believe and my understanding is actually we can't cling to anything. That clinging itself is an illusion that we get attached to and we identify with. That we think we can cling to something like ice cream or, or identity, which I've had experience of not being able to cling to my identity. It's gone. And at a certain level of, of practice, it disappears totally. And it's not, and there's nobody there who even knows that it disappears. Because that's how gone it is. And so all I'm saying is trust the practice. Really, that's what I'm pushing. Trust the practice. Because the practice will take you there. Because you, you have a great devotion. And you're really, you know, you're, you're, do it. That's my shtick. <laughs> that's you. That's what Eugene says. How's that? That's not me, though. I'll keep that. I'll keep that in mind. Thank oh. you. <laughs> okay. Good to see you. Who else do we have? I'm going to go to Mel. Hi. Hi. And for Mel, who's next to me. <laughs> Hi, Belle. I'm glad to see you. Anyway, I'm just trying to get a woman in there because I saw all these men listening. Like, hey, it's always the men who go first, you know. So go ahead. What's your name? I'm sorry, I'm forgetting. Sina. Sina, S-I-N-A. Sina, yes. Hi. Uh, so I was going to ask about full body breathing that you were mentioning. Sure. So I was wondering if you could just describe that a bit more. So when so, i'm go ahead clear part the, about where where do we place attention is it is it is the attention moving around at all or is it somehow zoomed out enough to hold the the whole body but the attention is kind of staying steady in in one place uh i don't stay steady i just sense the whole body it's a proprioceptive awareness of the body. And that's a word that's, that Venerable Analyo uses in his book, which I don't have here. It's the Satipatthana Practice Guide. 
it's great because he really talks about the proprioceptive uh, awareness of the body and how key that is. And so, and I also learned that from uh, uh, Tanisaro Bhikkhu when I studied whole body breathing because that's how he teaches. And, and he's like, he's, and he's just saying, I'm te- you know, I'm teaching what the Buddha said, which of course every teacher says, including me, right? And so we're all teaching how we understand what the Buddha said and what worked for us. And so, um, uh, yeah, so like just feel your whole body here, just in a relaxed way. Don't try to feel any part of it, but just feel the totality of it. And don't worry about missing any part. It's more the felt sense which is what my friend Philip Moffat likes to always point out, the felt sense. And that's the body that I'm aware of. And then I just am aware of that, oh, it's breathing. And I, and I love feeling it. It's actually very, very pleasurable. And it's one of the things that I learned with whole body breathing and especially mindfulness of the breath is how pleasurable meditation could be. So one of the things that it's good, you're helping me put this in the talk tonight, is if you find anything pleasurable about the breath when you're breathing, whether you're focusing on the nose or the chest or the belly or the whole body, go with it. Trust that. Get closer to it. It's like, oh, you don't want to say, oh, no, I shouldn't enjoy the pleasure. No, enjoy the pleasure and let it pull you in closer. Just like if you have a lover and it's pleasant, you kind of go for the pleasure, go for the pleasure. Okay. Does that make sense? What I'm pointing at? How is it to sense your whole body while we're sitting here? It's pleasant. It's pleasant. Great. Enjoy the pleasure. And then as you're enjoying the pleasure and feeling the whole body, be aware of the breath. So, so to dig in there a bit more, so if I'm mindful, doing mindfulness of breath at the nostril, mm-hmm. I feel this sense of as my attention wanders elsewhere, I always bring it back to the nostrils, right? Right. You but with mindfulness of breath in the body, it seems that I'm allowing the attention kind of move more, sim- like as I would say with choiceless awareness, while like keeping it centered on the breath. But it doesn't have the same level of strictness that it would with well it could or it couldn't depending on what you want i can be very strict i i went very deep with whole body breathing and i could stay with it for hours and like that's all that was happening and really it's when i was studying jhanas and jhanas are really deep states of concentration and and they're fun and they're and they keep getting more and more pleasant and that's why they People get nervous about them because it's easy to get attached to the pleasure of the jhanas. They're they're sublime. And I mean, like, oh, this is like serious fun at certain levels of jhana, you know. So and and that's not a bad thing to know how to do, but you don't want to be attached to that even. Right? That's the key. Because as Phil was saying, we don't want to be attached to anything, even ourselves. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay, who else? Jim. 
Oh. Yeah, Jim. Yes, can you hear me? Yes. So my question somewhat follows the, the prior one. So I love um, using the breath and have used it uh, for the 12, 13 years I've meditated. And last year I went to IMS with the expectation of exploring the jhanas, experiencing the jhanas, and instead experiencing very much and getting very familiar with dukkha. Mm. And what happened is I developed a chronic sinus problem, mm. possibly because of the allergies or something there that were, my body was not used to. And by the end of the retreat, I was lucky if I could find a spot to place my attention lightly without incredible pressure happening in the area of my nose, my mouth, my lips, my tongue, my teeth. So the, the chronic situation didn't go away. So last January, this January, a couple of months ago, I had surgery on my nose to try to rid it of the inflammation. My nose seems to now not feel the pressure, but I still get tremendous pressure in my lips and mm -hmm. in my gums and in my teeth. Mm -hmm. But because I've been doing open awareness mm -hmm. since then, and I've mm -hmm. been just loving it, not going mm -hmm. to jhana, but I have just, mm -hmm. it's so pleasurable. But nevertheless, as I get a little more concentrated or maybe even not, you know, the pressure builds and builds and builds and builds in my mouth. And then, you know, I generally, I relax it and then I just go back and then it builds and builds and builds and builds and builds again. And I'm just wondering if you have any advice. It isn't like it's painful, but it's like pressure and it's just a constant dance. Um, well, I'll give you two options. Okay. You do what you're doing, which sounds fine, right? Because it's a, you don't like it, uh, and it's uncomfortable, and so you go to open awareness and just do that, or, or make the pressure the the object of your meditation for the next you know six months, and see what oh, happens. Six months, because I I do it all alternately, six months. Wow. Well, for a while, you know, I'm, yeah. I, I exaggerate sometimes just to push people. But long enough to see. To know, see, because all that's happening is you're having uncomfortable sensations. Yep. And they're sensations. And the sensations are alive. And like my first real jhanic experience, what came through pain? Totally. Totally through pain. And that's really? a very, yeah, it's not even unusual. Pain is... Like what that woman was saying, who Allison Wright in her yeah. accident, the pain kept her alive and kept her focused, right? She knew as long as she felt the pain, she was alive. And so it helped mm -hmm. her calm down, mm -hmm. right? And my first long retreat, I had so much pain that I went into kind of jhana experience that was fantastic. And then mm -hmm. I thought the way you get to to John is through pain. And so I tried to sit long enough to have a lot of pain and it didn't work <laughs> every time. Sometimes it worked, but not every time. Hmm. And, and it's, you know, it's a really interesting question about, because whatever is happening, it's your practice, yeah. right? This is it, you, you're it. And so whatever, so I had a teacher say that to me the other day when I was complaining about something else. 
somebody else. They said, oh, whatever is happening is in your mind. And it was like, and I just bowed because they were right. It was my mind. Was it whatever the person was doing, they were doing, but the reaction was mine. Of course. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So good luck. Okay. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's see what happens. Even try it for five days and let's see. Yeah. I'm thinking more like in the five, five day <laughs> range. But one thing I'm always very curious to hear that you were able to enter jhana with an open full body awareness. I thought we had oh, to definitely. have like single no. pointedness. No, no, no. I was, yeah. Well, remember, it was whole body awareness. So I was aware of the whole body and the breathing. And it just got quieter, 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 and then went. And it was, it, it definitely caught my attention, you know, in a, in a good way. And, I, and it was pleasurable. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I know. Okay. okay. Well, thank you. I'll give that You're a try. Welcome. Five days. Okay. Okay. Who's next? What happened to Nina? Nina disappeared. She was there for a moment. I'm still looking for some women. The women don't want to talk to me today. Okay. Um, okay. Jim. Oh, what's that? Yeah, already? I do have more questions, but I'll wait till next time. <laughs> Good. Wait till next time. Thanks. Okay. There's Nina. Now Nina. Okay. I was just going to um, kind of uh, continue with, it feels like a continuation of what is it Jim who just spoke was uh, talking about that. Um, mindfulness of breath has always been really challenging for me because um, there's so much like restriction around my breath. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that is structural and physiological. But um, recently, I've gotten really interested in that grip that's really dukkha filled. Mm -hmm. it's, it, 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 um, it's painful and I don't like it. I have an aversion to it. I realized for many years, like I had, uh, I really thought it shouldn't be there. And it's, Kind of symbol that there was something wrong with me or you know that I wasn't practicing well or whatever my beliefs were and now I'm just recently I'm getting uh, kind of interested in what is that um, which I feel curious about and ex and actually excited about um, it's comforting to turn towards that feeling with that interest rather than the rejection mm -hmm. and it feels um just really primal like when i really sense what's happening with my breath um sorry the screen just went blank um it feels like um it just it feels primal it feels like there's this grasping at my breath all the time and it's almost like this um feeling of my life and being alive i feel this like thrust at it and this uh okay so i get uh, yeah. so you're having a lot of associations with those sensations okay and those are good those are good to investigate but don't investigate them while you're sitting okay while you're sitting 
do a more kinesthetic uh, investigation of what are the sensations feel like? Like, and what is it that the gripping, you're, you're, you keep doing something like this. Feel that, like what, if you were to describe the minutia of sensation, you want to get closer to that and let it be here and keep making a little space around it for it to do what you're not trying to change it or stop it. You're trying to get closer to the somatic, kinesthetic, energetic aliveness that, that is gripping that you have certain associations with. Okay. Right. And of course you can, you can inquire about the associations in the other worlds that you live in and you have access to, and that can be very helpful, but also your presence with the actual experience is extremely helpful okay. for discovering what's true. Okay. And what's what's here. Okay. Mm -hmm. Great. Good to see you. Thanks for saving me from the all men. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Who else? We got a couple minutes. Robert, I'm gonna try to unmute you. There we go. Robert. Hi there. How are you? Hey. Huh? Um, I enjoyed the talk tonight very much. I think the breath is essential to understanding most everything. Um, I think I'm struck by the connectedness of different philosophies. And uh, I think about, well, if, if Socrates had been a Buddhist, he <laughs> might have said, know thy breath, <laughs> know thyself. Um, and also the interesting connection, uh, my personal connection to Taoism in my study of Tai Chi for many years mm -hmm. talks about many of the concepts that the breath is connected to the you know you talked about the inner world is limitless and the outer world is limitless and that is and and there is one whole world and that is the Tai Chi symbol of course mm -hmm. right. going on there they have this, this word that they use uh, it's called Wu Chi uh -huh. and there is no limit right Right. Um, and so I'm just struck by the connectedness. Right. Uh, no question for such just a... No, uh, no, but beautiful what you're saying and pointing at because it's quite unified reality because it's, it's all reality. And I don't care what religion one might be coming from or what tradition, you can find the essence of reality in all the traditions, as far as I can tell. And it comes in different ways or different language or different practices. And it's not exactly the same. I'm not saying they're all the same, but, but there's the taste of the same understanding somewhere in all religions. And it might be in, you know, like it might be in the more a smaller, I'm looking for the right word, like, uh, I don't know so much about um, Islam, but I know a lot more about Sufism, right? Which is more the essence of what interests me, right, in general. And it's the same in, in other religions. It's not like all of the religion has it, but somewhere in the religion, what you're pointing at is there. Yeah, yeah. so great. Thank you. Okay, so... I see we're at 7.30 on my clock. 
So we're going to stop here. Um, I would really like to encourage everybody to work with the body and the breathing and see what happens. Keep, you know, make it your lover for the next five days. See what happens. And of course, you can also, this is not something that I do these days, but I've done it. You can also be mindful of the breath while you're walking instead of being aware of the, you know, the feet moving and the legs. Just be aware of your breath. And I found that harder to do, but I did it for a while, especially when I was doing whole body breathing. You just walk and you're, it's just breath walking. And it's quite beautiful. Okay, everybody, let's just do a minute of sharing of merit. Appreciating our good fortune, even in this time of crisis, that we could be here, be together, and we could appreciate our breath, our spirit, that we can recognize what it is to be inspired or inspirited, and that we have the blessings and tremendous good fortune to take some time now. Uh, in this world that is suffering very much from the COVID-19. And so we want to send the good fortune we have in every direction, in every country, every continent, in this world and all worlds. May all beings be happy and peaceful. May all beings be free from suffering, free from the dukkha that comes with being human, free from the misunderstanding of who and what we are, free from our usual identity and free from the way we, the identities we project on others. May all beings be free, safe, happy. May we all discover our spirit, our true nature, our Buddha nature, the nature of wisdom and compassion. May all beings be free. everybody. Um, the one last piece, I always forget to say anything about Donna. Please feel free to offer Donna. I think, Jeff, are you going to say something about Donna? Let's see if you're here. Let's make sure you're, where are you? Jeff? Yeah. Okay. Am I yeah. unmuted? Okay. You're good. And you have a great background there, Jeff. Oh, thank you. Okay. Um, <laughs> hi, everybody. Uh, so just a reminder, we've updated the website and the main thing is after you hit the donate button on the SF website you're going to go to the PayPal website and there's now a drop-down menu 
And then that allows you to choose uh, what offering like for tonight or for Sunday night or whatever the offer, the teaching is, um, you can have that directed, your Donna directed to that, uh, to that teaching. Um, let me, let us know if you have any questions. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate the generosity. It's, you know, I think a lot of it goes to me for this one. So I'm not even sure about what goes to SFI, what goes to me, but we'll figure it out because Nina and Tripp and Jeff are all on the board. They won't let me take it all. So anyhow, thank you though. Really good to be with you. And I'll see you on Tuesday. We'll continue to look. We're still in the first foundation. We'll do a little more, especially with, again, one of the things I think is most important full awareness in all activities, which we'll be looking at uh, on Tuesday. Great. Be well, everybody. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.